This is a Federal News Network podcast. The American Rescue Plan law directed $17 billion in new money towards veterans. For how the Veterans Affairs Department plans to use that money, we turn to the acting VA Undersecretary for Benefits, Tom Murphy. Mr. Murphy, good to have you on. Thank you, Tom. Nice to be here today. Thank you. And this is something of a little-known or widely overlooked provision in that bill, which, of course, ran to more than a trillion dollars, but $17 billion for VBA. What are you planning to do here? Well, there's significant uh, provisions in that bill that drive quality health care and uh, much-needed economic relief. It gives us the resources we need to push veterans' claims through and get them done at times when veterans are needing that more than ever. It also modernizes our supply system, and it's targeted at decreasing appeals at the boards of veterans' appeals. Yeah, the backlogs for hearings and appeals on some of those benefits ebbs and flows. What's the situation right now? Well, the backlog, it's up right now because of COVID and what's happened over the last uh, year and a half since last March. But we've peaked on it, and we're going back down the other side. And i got to get the plug in now. Our medical providers are open, and we're waiting for veterans to come in and get their medical examinations done so we can complete your disability claim. Got it. And so the $17 billion gives you people to help process claims? It also gives us very targeted dollars, $100 million in overtime so that I can process claims as demand increases. And it gives me $150 million to go in and scan the records of all living veterans, as well as records like ship log, unit movements, etc. The idea being that as we get to the end of this pandemic and before we have any other crisis, everything is in a digital form and easily accessible when veterans come to VA. Got it, because there have been some new benefits programs in recent years, like the Blue Water from Vietnam era. And uh, is that part of what you'll help kind of speed along there? That's absolutely the case. Blue Water Navy is tied specifically to ships registries and ships logs, and the digitization of those makes it easy for us to go in and access, quickly make decisions, and provide benefits to veterans when needed. You can imagine a captain 50 years ago wondering, do I really need to make this log entry today? I'm busy, but here it is coming up, and someone needs that log now all these years later. Fortunately, the Navy is very religious and very particular with that. They did ship sightings and ship's locations into their log multiple points per day. And here we are decades later, and we're able to use that to take care of veterans. And what about pension claims? Is that part of the uh, speed up here also? Absolutely. We process them separately because of the uniqueness of the claim. But the benefits that I'm talking about and the things that we're doing are going to drive what's happening in the pension world and speed that process up as well. And on the applications for, say, disability and disability appeals hearings, are those yet back in person, or is this still happening in a telephonic way or a video virtual way? What's uh, the status right now? VBA coming into the pandemic had almost all of our employees operating uh, virtually through telework, at, at least part of their work week. So when we sent everybody home and we shut down when the virus hit, we very quickly pivoted. It took us about two weeks' time to get all the computers done, to get everybody positioned over, and we've had our best, most productive days in the month following the shutdown from the pandemic because we were positioned to go in and switch digitally. And what happened then is our backlog started building because the available work dried up because we didn't have veterans coming in to do medical appointments anymore, which was the right thing to do. So we protected the date for that veteran to allow them to opt at some point in the future when they feel safe to come in, complete their examination, and then we would make their rating decision for them at that time. Got it. And so it sounds like you're saying or implying possibly that continuing with video and otherwise telephonic methods of doing these hearings 
is so productive. And I imagine the veterans prefer it because they don't have to go somewhere to have that hearing. It might be something you would continue in the foreseeable future. Oh, absolutely. We finally figured out a way. We've been forced into the situation, but we figured out a way to contact the veteran, to communicate with the veteran, and deliver services and benefits in the way the veteran is expecting. Most veterans expect to be able to pick up their smartphone, hit a button, and be able to communicate and do something with VA. Well, COVID has forced us to do exactly that. And it's made us open up new avenues to communicate and do uh, ACE exams where you view medical evidence, to do telehealth where you video with a doctor to have your evaluation completed. And it allows us to process that veteran's claim to deliver the services and benefits they're looking for without the veteran ever having to come into one of our facilities. We're speaking with Tom Murphy, Acting Veterans Affairs Undersecretary for Benefits. And there's also a new program, I guess, also under the American Rescue Plan called Veteran Rapid Retraining Assistance Program, VRRAP, if I'm pronouncing it right. Tell us about that one. This is a great program targeted at veterans that are unemployed as a result of COVID. $386 million that provides employee assistance for certain unemployed veterans to enter high-demand occupations. There's a list provided by the Department of Labor. It's published on VA's website at benefits.va.gov, which will outline those specific jobs. There's also a list that tells you these are the institutions that we will provide for. So here's the details. It's available to veterans between 22 and 67 years old. Up to 12 months, we pay tuition, fees, a monthly housing allowance, and then there's job placement at the end of the program. This is a great program targeted at those that are most affected by COVID. And what are some of the top in-demand types of jobs or fields that are attracting veterans these days? Oh, there's teachers, there's uh, computer programmers, there's network managers. It's a really long, very broad list, and it's much broader than you might think. The big thing on this one here, and this is the really great takeaway, we sit you down with a program with an institution that's specifically targeted to place you in a job. And we pre-screen these schools so that we know that they can provide these services for the veterans when they complete it. And there's even an incentive at the end for the institution to place you in a position employed before we close out the program. This is a great package that targets just the right population. And if the infrastructure bill in some form were to pass, that would create a lot of construction jobs, presumably. Is there a tie-in between this program, the VRRAP, and construction? Construction is a wide-open hot market and absolutely on the high-demand list. So, yes. All right. So you go from one type of hard hat in the military to another one on a construction site. Yes, that's absolutely true. And look, it's very varied. It's very wide. The resources are, are, are available in a very broad spectrum of programs. Some people want to be outside working construction. Other people want to be at a computer terminal. And this program is targeted at all of them. Got it. And then there's one other provision I'm reading about in the American Rescue Plan that relates to educational benefits, closing the 90-10 loophole to protect the integrity of the GI Bill. Explain that one. We want to make sure that a veteran goes in and gets a quality education and not attend a school or a program that, that's simply designed to push veterans through. And out. We, we want the veteran to go in to use these benefits that they've earned through their service and be able to better themselves and their life and their family. So we've put some provisions in place that target just that, and it, it narrows the field of all available higher-level institutions, but it makes sure that when you attend one, you're getting a quality education that's going to be good for you and your family down the road. Got it. And now, of course, the president has ordered the troops home from Afghanistan. 
which kind of completes having troops overseas. So you're going to get some veterans when they muster out of the military from that group. And that kind of changes the picture since there's no active shooting activity right now that the military is involved in. Down the line, that'll affect the tenor and flavor of the veterans population. Are you looking ahead towards the next five, ten years in that regard? Oh, absolutely. But there's something you got to keep in mind. We train like we fight. The American military trains very hard and trains very realistically. So while we certainly see uh, more injuries as resulting of combat, we see it in peacetime as well. So the VA is there in peacetime, in wartime, and we just flat take care of veterans. All right. Anything else we need to know about the American Rescue Plan as it relates to VA? I'm going to take a chance to to hit once again. I, I need you to come in and get your medical examination if you filed a claim for us. We made it safe for veterans to elect not to come in and complete your examinations. However, the world is opening up. Our medical facilities are safe. We have a large population of vaccinated veterans. Come in today, schedule your examination, help us complete your rating decision. Tom Murphy is Acting Veterans Affairs Undersecretary for Benefits. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Tom. You have a great day. We'll post this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Hear the Federal Drive on demand. Subscribe at Podcast One or wherever you get your shows. Welcome to the Lessons in Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Rick Wade, Senior Vice President of Strategic Alliances and Outreach at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Previously, Rick was a Senior Advisor and Deputy Chief of Staff to Secretary of Commerce Gary Locke. He worked closely with the Obama administration, and he also worked with Commerce's Economic Development Administration to foster regional economic development in distressed areas and with the Minority Business Development Agency to create jobs through the growth of minority-owned businesses. He received a BS from the University of South Carolina and an MPA from Harvard University. Rick, welcome, and thanks so much for joining me. And thank you so much for having me. Look forward to the conversation. Rick, in today's environment, leaders have had to adapt and find new ways to lead with transparency and empathy. But can you tell us a bit about how you've adapted your leadership style? You know, this past year has clearly uh, presented some unique challenges that uh, certainly me uh, or I as a leader uh, have had to adapt. Uh, You think about a pandemic, for example, that has placed us in probably one of the most challenging circumstances is to lead in a virtual world now. I've not been in my office uh, for nearly a year. And and the idea that we don't have the human interaction, uh, which I think is very important when you think about the empathy that is a a very important value of leadership. So trying to lead from a virtual uh, environment, Shane, and be empathetic and be sensitive to the needs of others has presented terribly difficult challenge. One of the other defining uh, moments, I think, in our time uh, that has dictated uh, a change in leadership, if you will, uh, was the murder of George Floyd. I think it created a whole different consciousness uh, in America and certainly within me uh, about the importance of being empathetic uh, in, uh, in, in the way I lead, to be inclusive, uh, to, be, uh, uh, to, to lead in a way uh, in which you're very sensitive to the impact of your decisions. Uh, on those on others uh, across our community. So it certainly has been a challenging year uh, to adapt, uh, but I'm happy to say that uh, I'm still here and we're moving forward. Perfect. Throughout your career, what have been some pivotal moments or lessons learned that have shaped 
the leader that you are today? You know, there have been so many moments, Shane. I, you know, I grew up in rural South Carolina. Uh, quite honestly, at a time when I, I mean, I saw what legal segregation was. I mean, I, I wasn't able to go to an integrated school until middle school, being bused across town. And I remember, as strangely as it may sound, uh, in 1979, I wanted to run for vice president of my student body at Lancaster High School, a little school. And I had to run on the ballot as vice president black, literally. And there was another candidate who ran as vice president white. And the irony of that story uh, is that the following year, I ran for president and I won overwhelmingly. That was a lesson for me in leadership. And, and the lesson there was, you know, perseverance, uh, have the tenacity, uh, have a vision and overcoming barriers. And, and I didn't let the idea uh, that the construct that I had to run as vice president uh, 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 deter me from reaching my bigger dream which was to represent students. So I know that's a, that, that perhaps may be a small example of leadership, but it really did define how I view myself, uh, the vision that I have, uh, my willingness to, to fight for change. And that was, that was the beginning. I think that set the foundation of how I lead. And there've been so many other moments. Uh, one of the most defining moments for me personally was uh, the, 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 the massacre at Mother Emanuel Church in Charleston, South Carolina, a very close friend of mine, Senator Reverend Clemente Pinckney, who lost his life. And, and it, it conjured up, again, these issues of how deep the divide in terms of race in America is. And, but it also inspired me to lead even more and to lead harder and to lead with diligence and vigilance uh, to help close that divide. So there have been so many defining moments uh, uh, in my career. I, I will tell you, even uh, after the murder of George Floyd and my role at the U.S. Cha Chamber of Commerce uh, to galvanize the business community, uh, inspired by that tragedy. And now we have a whole broad, historic sweeping, what we call Equality of Opportunity Initiative that I'm leading, that I, that, that I was inspired to develop. And we're bringing together corporations from across America to address what we call equality of opportunity. So my point there, I think with all of these moments, they've all been pivotal moments at different parts of my life, my career, my journey. And I've seized those moments to make the best uh, of, of them, of, of what I could. That's fantastic. It's a great, great answer. Many stories. Thank you very much for sharing that. Um, who is the most impactful leader in your life and what quality did you admire about them? You know, I, again, I can't say that I had, I had just one, but I would tell you the one person who, uh, who had, whose historical leadership has inspired me the most, and that is the leadership of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And there's so many attributes there that are consistent with my values, but the one, the one part of his leadership was vision. And I, I mean, the idea that you can have a dream which we often define and think of his big I have a dream speech. But I think that's a really important attribute of leadership, Shane, that you can sort of see beyond the challenges of today and see a better future for people and for yourself. So the, the idea that leaders have vision uh, despite the challenges is seeing a forest despite the trees. It's seeing an opportunity despite the barriers. And that, that attribute, I think, is one that, that I embody. I mean, I, I, I'm very optimistic, uh, despite the challenges, despite the circumstances. So the whole notion of vision, 
was a very important attribute that I, I learned and that I tried to emulate from the leadership of Dr. King. Wow, fantastic. And as someone who's got an extensive background of federal service uh, and out of federal service, what advice would you give to feds looking to develop leadership skills? And, and you can talk about mid-career, senior career, early career. Um, what comes to mind there? Yeah, listen, I mean, you're aware that I had the, the, the fortunate opportunity. We didn't have a secretary of commerce when uh, President Obama, uh, of course, I served as one of his senior advisors, was inaugurated. And the president asked me to go to the Department of Commerce to hold the fort down. And that was one of the most exciting experiences in my entire career, not just for the title and, and, the, and the wonderful experiences, but I understood the value of federal employees. And, and folks forget sometimes, Shane, that we political appointees, we come and go. But the folks who, who are grinding every day, who are at their desk, no matter rain, sleet or snow, uh, who bring innovations, but yet don't, don't get the credit for it because the political appointees get all the credit. I think I learned something about the humility of, of being a leader. Uh, and and, and, and I, I, I built so many friends who were federal employees, not just at the manager level, but the frontline workers, the administrative assistants. And I was very deliberate. I mean, one of the things that I was most proud of, strangely enough, I was that guy, even though I was senior advisor to the Secretary of Commerce, and I, I, my office was on the floor, the top floor. We call it the blue carpet, Shane. But I made a deliberate point to go eat in the cafeteria every day, as many days as I could, just to sit down and talk with employees. And I grew from that. And, and, and there were so many times where I took their ideas back to the blue carpet and said, and I told the Secretary Locke, you got to go down and sit down and talk with regular, common, everyday folks. They're in the cafeteria, not in the dining room on the blue carpet. And so he started doing that. So the, the point is, I think for me, the advice that I would give is to continue to do the hard work. I do think that we should do a better job in government in providing the kind of admiration for those workers as we do the high level appointees. And, and that may be something that, uh, that I'm looking to work on myself uh, to help continue to advocate for our federal employees. Uh, they, they, those are hard workers. That's where the work gets done. And, uh, and, 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 and so I think that's a lesson for me, if there was some advice and counsel I could give, is to continue to do your work, but, but we have to do our work as leaders of these agencies to create ladders uh, of success and, and, and reward and admiration for the hard work that they do. Rick, thank you very much. You've inspired me. These are tremendous insights and stories. Uh, I love every single one of them. You've got a fascinating journey in leadership yourself. And thank you very much for sharing that with us today. Well, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. I'm Shane Canfield, CEO of WEPA. Thank you for listening to today's Lessons in Leadership podcast. And until we see you next time, take good care. As fall fills up with activities and obligations, even a small time saver can feel like a big help. Grammarly is an all-in-one writing tool that makes clear, concise communication easier than ever. So you can finish your work earlier and head off to family dinners, social events, and fall weddings. Grammarly is free to download and works where you do, so every project gets finished quicker. Make sure your writing is free of mistakes with Grammarly's free, comprehensive writing suggestions and get an instant take on how your message comes across with the free tone detector. Let Grammarly Premium's sentence clarity rewrites help you find the perfect words on the first try. You'll be confident writing client emails, deadline-driven reports, 
and presentations without staying late at the office. Get more time back in your day by writing with Grammarly. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcasts to sign up for a free account. Then get 20% off when you're ready to upgrade to Grammarly Premium. That's Grammarly.com slash podcasts. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit LiveXLive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.